morning NBCC. Hope you guys are doing well today. We're so excited we can worship together right now and just as we continue to lift up our Lord, I just want to encourage you to sing out these songs of praise to our God that we can be here and just give him 100% of our time this morning. All right. Zach can on thing. Sing God who's never late. He won't fail me, no He won't fail me, no See my waiting Same God who's never late Is working all things out Is working all things out Yes, I will lift you up In the lowest valley Yes, I will bless your name Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will. Cause I can one thing. Same guy is never late. He won't fail me, no. He won't fail me, no. He's in my waiting. Same guy is never late. He's working all things out. He's working all things out.
awesome time of worship. But we want to continue in our worship this morning through giving. We try to make that as easy as possible for you here. So you can either go to our website or our mobile app to give. It's time to jump into the Word with Pastor Mike. We're really excited to hear what he has to say, so let's head on over. Well, welcome back to another service here at Mission Vale Christian Church. We are finishing a series out of the letter of 2 Thessalonians today. I've entitled the series Ready or Not, and the reason that I've entitled it that is these two books, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, the writer Paul talks about through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the end of days, the end of time. He's talking about the Antichrist, the rapture, and the second coming of Jesus Christ and what, what happens in all of those scenarios. So it has just been kind of a fast-paced, fast-moving, bullet-point kind of series, which I love that. And the bottom line is we want to be ready to meet Jesus. And it's by faith that we become ready. So um, we've learned about, you know, uh, leader of leaders, the, Apol the Apostle Paul loving the people of God at Thessalonica, how he started the church, he planted the church, and caring for the people of God and discipling them. We've also learned about the second coming of Christ. We've learned about the day of the Lord, what that means. And we've also been just encouraged to be ready at all times as a spirit of antichrist is already at work in the world in preparation for the Antichrist to come, and then, of course, the rapture, which we're going to be raptured out of here if we have faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul really kind of ends this letter with asking for prayer, and then the final instruction about not being vulnerable to the attack that sometimes is within the church, which we'll talk about here in just a second. I hear a phrase, um, I'm sure you've heard it, maybe we've even said this, can't wait to get back to normal. You know, since the pandemic, just can't wait for things to get back to normal. If you're um, watching this live, this might be a great time to ask some questions or put this in a chat and have some discussion with some others who are, who are watching this message. But what if normal as we know it, not going back to normal, but what if there's a new normal that God says he wants us to look forward to the new normal? I'm just a firm believer that God is a big God. He is a God who can do new things. He's a God of new beginnings. He's a new God, a God who can uh, reboot. He's a God that can restart our life. What if God wants to change society as we know it? What if he doesn't want us to go back, backward to normal, but he wants us to move forward into what he wants to do in our society? That's what the letter here, the ending of this letter, Paul really talks about a warning um, of us not, those of us who are in the church and part of a church, of us not being vulnerable to the attack of something that can really weaken the church, and that is being idle. We have got to be aware of those who basically stop living, uh, stop their walk with Christ, and are just living an idle life, and really they stop working. I was, um, before we get to the text here in verses 6 through 18, I remember back in the day, this is a long time ago, um, I had uh, just kind of a, a nightly routine before I went to bed. I want to check the front door to make sure it's locked, make sure the back door is locked, make sure the lights are shut down, making sure that the AC is on the right temperature gauge. And so as I was going upstairs, did my normal routine, laid into the bed obviously, went to sleep, woke up the next morning, went outside and realized 
that the entire evening I had left the garage door open, which when I thought about that, really what I was doing, unfortunately, through that mistake, I was leaving my family vulnerable to someone just walking into my house. And I would say in the same way that if we are not on point, if we're not on beam with our faith in Jesus Christ and walking with him, we can become very vulnerable to the things that are inside. It's not so much the outside that attack the church, but it's the very thing called being idle that can come from within that stops the movement of the church moving forward. So let's read the text here, 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 6 through 8. It says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. Man, I just want to stop right there because verse 6 is power-packed through a pretty heavy-duty command about not being an idle Christian. In fact, he says in the opening part of this, uh, verse 6, this ending part of the letter, he says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ. So Paul's not saying, hey, look, this is something I really want you to think about, something I really want you to do. If you can get around to it, want you to do it. He's saying, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to not not only be idle, but hang around with people who are idle. What does that word mean, idle? He's very sincere and he's very serious about how we ought not to be idle in our walk with the Lord. And just generally in life, we should not be idle, hanging back, going backwards. We should constantly be moving forward. So that word idleness in the Greek, ektoktos, really means having no purpose, no basis, and not only that, but unfortunately it means to be disorderly. So by us not working and being idle and not moving forward in our faith or not moving forward in our business, not moving forward in our school and going for that degree, when we just kind of hang out, give up and just kind of be idle, it actually disrupts and it brings disorderliness to those around us. What was happening here is that the people of God were becoming, some commentators believe they were being idle they weren't doing anything for their faith. They were just kind of hanging out and actually being a bad example of lack of purpose, lack of direction, lack of moving forward in their life. They thought, well, the rapture already happened and we missed it because remember Paul was writing about the rapture. Or some of them were saying, you know what, Jesus already came to earth and we missed it. And so we might as well just kind of run for the hills, give up, stop our work, stop going to church, stop being a part of the body of Christ. And that is exactly what Paul is saying, don't do that. Don't, don't let those who have that mindset get a stronghold in the church. So let's go on in verses 7 through 10. He's very specific here. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle, Apostle Paul is saying with um, Silas and Timothy. We were, we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we may not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. So I, I just love, Paul isn't giving this command from the Lord to say, look, you guys just do this. He's saying, we modeled this for you. When we came to you, when we helped establish the church, we didn't say, hey, take up an offering for us. He's saying, we made tents. We are tent makers. We 
made funds enough for us to eat, so we didn't want to be a burden to you. We wanted that money to go to ministry, to go to the church. And so Paul was really a living example of heart, soul, mind, purpose, and strength of what it means to work hard, man. Paul had an incredible work ethic. He worked hard, he worked purposeful, and he worked smart. And because he had the Holy Spirit indwelling in him, he was able to accomplish the tasks that Jesus gave him to do. So I just want to say as an overtone here, as a teaching from God's Word, that um, hard work, Christians, hard work is good. If you're taking some notes, very simple here. Working hard is good. Not just saying keeping busy for the sake of being busy, but hard work is, is honorable to the Lord. We know that God worked. We know that Paul worked. We know that Jesus worked. And so um, hard work is good. I, fa- I have a personal belief that Christians should be the hardest workers and the smartest workers in our society. We should be the kind of employees or CEOs or managers or o- those in oversight or supervisors. We should be the kind of workers that cause the owners to say, man, we, we have to keep these kind of employees, these Christian people, because they work hard, they're honest, they have integrity. When they don't uh, do well, they are, have integrity enough to take responsibility for when they mess up. And they are just the greatest workers. We've got to have these kind of people in our company. We can't lose them. So we know that from the scripture, God works. In Genesis, God created the world in six days. He created everything for us to enjoy. And he gave us rulership, ownership of the earth. And we know for six days, God worked. And on the seventh day, he rested. In John 5, 17, Jesus said these words. My father is always at his work. And to this very day, I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but is even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So not only is Jesus established that he is equal with the Father, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity, they are um, uh, three persons, one God, but he's also saying God is working and I am working. So we have to establish right away, man, if we're a Christian, if we're a Christ follower, we got to work hard and we got to work smarter. Now, Paul is not talking about people who cannot work. He's not laying a guilt trip on people who either physically can't work or there's some just uh, mental capacities that keep uh, some from not being able to be in the workforce. He's not saying that. He's saying people who can work, who are sitting around and doing nothing and being unproductive and unfruitful, that is not what he wants the Christian people to be doing. Why? Because if people who become idle stay in the church and, for example, just decide they're going to just not work in their job and they're not going to be productive in the Lord and take a ministry in the church, that's a bad example of the gospel. That causes other people to say, well, why should I work so hard if they're not working? And it just kind of spreads through the church like a cancer, man. So what do we do with these people? Well, the Bible gives a perfect prescription of how to deal with them. He says this in verse 11. Let's go on. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They're disruptive because they're not working. And so they're infiltrating inside the church, causing a bad example. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. They can appear to be very busy, but they're doing nothing. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed, yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them 
as you would a fellow believer. It's really clear here what he's saying here. Matthew 18, Jesus gave a perfect prescription of what to do when there's conflict, when there's division, when there's someone who's sinning against you, when you've sinned against someone else, when there's that division or tension or problem. He gives the perfect prescription. Don't just give up. Don't avoid. We have to go to that brother or sister and confront that issue. When you see your brother, in fact, it says in Matthew 18, if you have your Bibles, just uh, make way over to Matthew chapter, sorry, Matthew chapter uh, 18. He says, if you see your brother in sin, go to him first. Go to him personally. If he doesn't listen to you, then take another for a witness. So there's a prescription here. We don't just throw people out of the church. We don't avoid people. We don't disassociate with them. We don't treat them like an enemy, he says. We need to go to them and point out where they are missing it so that hopefully they'll change, repent, and they'll make a different uh, change in their life to be a hard worker for the gospel. So after confronting them, if they do not repent, if they do not change, then he's saying don't just hang around with them as everything is cool because then they'll think, well, my behavior is all right and it starts to affect everyone else. We want to take a proper perspective with them. Don't just treat them like everything is okay, hoping that they're going to feel some pain about change they need in their life. So we don't give up on them. We want to treat them as the Lord has said in his commandment, hoping that it will cause them to repent and to change. So last thing I want to talk about here in what the Bible is very clear. How do we keep from becoming idle? How do we keep from becoming unproductive? We just sit around, do nothing, and there's no productivity. There's no fruit in our life. Or maybe we'll just kind of um, just get on uh, uh, some kind of plan and uh, we'll just we're not going to work a job. Paul says, that's not right, man. You, if you want to eat, you got to work. So how do we look forward instead of going backward or instead of, most importantly, becoming idle in our faith? Remember what idle is. The Greek there says having no purpose, no basis, and unfortunately they become very disorderly because they're just uh, becoming a cancer within the church. So when we have no vision, no plan, and we're going nowhere, it's like the analogy that Jesus gave. How do we not become idle? How do we not go backwards in our faith? Well, Matthew chapter 7, if you have your Bibles, um, Jesus gave us, gave us a wonderful word picture here about building a house. He says in verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams uh, rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat that house, and it fell with a great crash. So it's really clear here what he's saying. We want to build our life on the rock on a good foundation. Now the visual here, Jesus is not talking about building a house. He's talking about building a life. And so if I choose to build my life on a strong footing, a strong foundation, and not just what appears to be nice, that's the life that's going to be able to withstand the storms of life. So I look at it this way. Uh, it's a buyer's market. People are wanting to buy up homes in California like it's candy. It's incredible. I mean, it's just crazy the way House, housing prices are just going through the roof. I've never 
heard of anybody walking in looking for a home a realtor opens up the door and they walk into the home and they say man that's an incredible foundation look at the slab look at the way they built this foundation no we look at the landscape we look at the way the walls are painted the way that the um the uh, outlay of the house is we look at the furniture the windows all those things rarely do we ever take into account the foundation and the footing that the house was built on jesus is saying if you don't want to become idle, you've got to build your life on the foundation of faith. I don't want you to just hear about that I'm a healer. Jesus said, I want you to lay hands on those that are sick and pray for them. I don't want you to just hear about the fact that I can bring victory in your life and I can be the overcomer in your life, but I want you to walk in it. I don't want you to just hear about loving your neighbor. I want you to practice loving people. I don't want you to just hear about the power of forgiveness and how it can set you free. I want you to practice forgiveness with others. I don't want you to just hear about the ministry of doing. I want you to do my word. I want you to move forward. I've always kind of lived by this. If I'm not, if I'm not growing, I'm dying. There's no hanging out. There's no like middle ground. So Jesus is saying here, the underground must work, must be done before the above ground exposure. The underground work must be done first before the above ground exposure can be done. So, very simply, going back to the word, back, we go back to 2 Thessalonians, Paul made it really clear that we should not grow tired of doing good. So building a strong foundation in my life, number one is, First of all, I need to have my life built on the rock. Jesus says he is the rock of our salvation, meaning we should receive Christ. If you're listening to this or watching this, knowing that God loves you because of sin, we're separated from God, but he didn't leave it that way. He came to earth to die on a cross because he loves you and paid the price for all of your sins to be forgiven. And if you just receive him, he will forgive you and he will set your life on a whole new course. And you can do that by receiving Christ. John 1.12 says to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that is what we are. So he's, he's saying, number one, the most important thing is to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. We, wanted, we want you to do that, and we encourage you and invite you to do that here at MVCC. The second thing is, I want you to really take this to heart, and not just for us to be hearers of this, but to go out and do it. We should be looking for ways this week of doing good for other people. Not to get an in, not so that we can have a voice, but just do good for someone else. It might be the smallest of things. Taking time to care about somebody, taking time to listen to someone, looking for someone who's in trouble and doing good for them so that it will give us a platform to share the good news of Christ. Remember, this, these two letters are all about the time is short. Jesus is coming. We want to be ready and therefore we want to live rightly by doing good so that we're ready when Jesus Christ comes. So um, bottom line is there are two guys who are building a house in this parable that Jesus told. And it's not so much looking for the rock, it's digging down deep enough to find the rock and then we build the house. And so digging down deep means doing good. It means looking for ways to serve others, living our life in such a way that Jesus is glorified in the good things. 
Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. I, I close with this. We had some, uh, this is years ago, some uh, people, when we moved into our neighborhood, there were some people that lived down the street about three doors down. And uh, my wife and I noticed there were cars going in odd times of the evening and different times of the day and people running around the house. It just, it just looked like something bad was going on in that house. Well, one day um, we saw some uh, uh, DEA agents that went in. There was about a dozen of these guys and they had full-on packs on. They had guns. They had rifles. I mean, there was something going on down in this house. Come to find out there was a meth lab in this home. And uh, so there was all this activity going on. Well, obviously those people <laughs> moved out. Some new people moved in and they just, just weren't, just, uh, I don't know how to say it. Um, they just weren't, uh, like, they were just, the kids were, like, annoying. And so um, oftentimes this one kid named Kenny would come over, and he would just kind of hang out. I'd be washing my car in the front yard and in my driveway, and he'd just come to hang out. He's just kind of annoying and just kind of asking questions all the time. And I found myself kind of avoiding this kid when he came over. He was maybe eight or nine years old. So I'm praying for a revival. I'm asking the Lord, you know, in my prayer time, God, I want you to do a great work in our city, revive the church, bring the gospel to many people as possible. And the Lord spoke to my heart. I remember this thing. He said, you know, um, I would love to do those things, but let's talk about Kenny. And I was like, Lord, what do you mean? Um, he says, I want to talk to you about how you're avoiding someone that I put in your life for you to do good in his life so he could see the gospel. I said, but yeah, Lord, you're right. Totally convicted. So from that point on, whenever Kenny came over, um, I invited him to help wash my, wash my car, dialogued with him, invited him to come to church, just trying to do good in somebody's life, even though sometimes it's difficult. I think that's just an example of how we can all avoid those situations or we can jump in and trust God and do good. Hope this has been helpful for you. Um, We're going to start a new series in two weeks called Jesus Uncensored about the tough things that Jesus said and he called us to, but there are exciting things through the book of Mark. So I hope you'll continue to join us. Um, God bless you for being here. If this has been helpful for you, you can make it known on chat. Maybe you want to share this with somebody. And also know that we are always uh, Sunday morning, uh, outdoor services at 10 a.m. We would love to see you here. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time at MVCC.